helping disciple makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Welcome back to Disciple First Podcast. This is a podcast by disciple makers and for disciple makers. I'm Craig Etheridge. I'm your host, and I'm here with Dan Spader. Dan Spader is a graduate from Moody Bible Institute and Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago and is currently serving as the president of Global Youth Initiative and is the founder of Sun Life Ministries. He's also worked for 12 years in pastoral roles in churches and has served as a consultant for over 20 different denominations, helping them develop youth ministry strategies and disciple-making strategies. He and his wife, Char, live in Louisville, Kentucky, where Dan is a trainer and consultant for Southeast Christian Church. So, Dan, welcome to the program. Great being with you again, Craig. Yeah, thank you so much. And, uh, Dan, I I tell you what, I remember when you and I were working through a lot of these things several years ago, and you were trying to explain uh, kind of these stages that Jesus used in making disciples, and you pulled out these chairs. (laughs) You remember that? (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, I okay, do, it, it's kind of like, you know, you go to this chair and then you go to this chair and we were kind of banging that around and those kind of general thoughts have now become crystallized in a book called Four Chair Discipling. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about this book. What what led you to write this book, Four Chair Discipling? Well, that's an interesting journey, Craig. Uh, for years, I taught the life of Christ and my big thing is trying hard to exegete well the real Jesus that walked in this earth. And my experiences through the years are at least two different ways to look at the life of Christ. One, and a critical importance, is how did Jesus make reproducing disciples? So you look at Jesus as a discipler, as a disciple maker, and study his life. The second way, which we taught for years in Sun Life, and we continue to teach in 111 countries around the globe with Global Youth Initiative, is how did Jesus, as a leader, build a disciple-making movement? And I think there are two different ways to study and look at Jesus' life. But I know one time I was really working hard on trying to crystallize how to make a fully trained reproducing disciple, Luke 640 someone who becomes like his master, like Jesus. And uh, we had taught for years. We had different pictures and metaphors. And um, one day I was just teaching elders at Southeast uh, this picture, and I could tell it just wasn't registering. And I have a good one of our country continent leaders in Latin America, Mark Edwards, who was in my youth group and leads our movement down in in Latin and South America, he had probably a year earlier in my home just showed me a metaphor he was using with the four chairs. And I heard it, it sunk in, but it didn't really register. Well, I was that day with the elders and I said, I just got to try something different. So I grabbed these four chairs and I said, chair one is going to describe a seeker. Chair two is going to describe a new believer. And if I had a high chair, I'd put a high chair there as a baby. A Christian. And then chair three describes a, a worker, and a chair four describes a, a, a reproducing disciple maker. And I grabbed those four chairs, and I said, you know, 
there's barriers between each chairs and there's sticking points in each chairs. And our goal is to get people to chair four. And so many people get stuck in chair two and chair one. And, and it's like immediately the, the elders just sat up and they said, wow, we're a chair one and chair two church. How do we get people to chair three? And how do we do more chair four? And what keeps people stuck in chair two? And they started asking all the right questions. You know, you sometimes as a trainer equipper, and that's kind of my my primary gifting in life as an equipper, you just realize this one metaphor, I wish I would have discovered it 30 years ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, one little metaphor, they just sat up and they got it. And, and within no time, we began to train the staff in the four chairs. And this is when I was just starting to come down and do we were meeting with some of your team and doing some training and I started using these four chairs too. And, and, um, it's just like, it's stuck. Uh, people got it. And immediately there's probably four, five, 6,000 people at Southeast that were hearing about the four chairs because everybody was talking about the four chairs mm. and what chair they were in and how do I get to the next chair and what chair is my friend in and how do I get them to, to the next chair from where they're at? And, and so it's just one little metaphor. And I said, man, I got to put this in a book before somebody steals it. So, no, <laughs> just kidding. But it's, so I said, ah, we, we, we want this. And, and Southeast has made a commitment, the church I'm at, and then a multitude of, since then, hundreds literally of other churches have been teaching through the four chairs. And, and uh, we even got one church down in Texas taught the four saddles. And, um, and uh, some who have used the four chairs and taught through them and, and how Jesus developed fully reproducing disciples and have left the four chairs up front. You know, when they teach like the book of James and will say, you know, James was basically a chair three church written to chair three people. And so the metaphor just, it was a metaphor that stuck. Yeah. So um, what I'd like you to do in our brief time together here is just give a, a little bit of play to each chair so that uh, you can kind of whet the appetite of, of a pastor that's listening, oh, man, I, I need a tool that can help explain this to my people. Of course, he, he'll be able to pick up the book for Chair Discipling, and we can talk about how he can get that later in the program. But I just want you to give us just a little overview. What is What does Chair 1, 2, 3, and 4 look like? Well, I go back to the life of Christ on this. I mean, literally, it comes out of a study, a chronological study of Christ's life. Very early on, right after his baptism, Jesus goes in the wilderness 40 days. He comes out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. He goes down to Jericho area where he was baptized, and he John the Baptist, his cousin, is still baptizing there, and John points him and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And two of John's disciples immediately begin to follow Jesus. And they say, Where are you staying? Jesus turns to him and says, Come and you will see. And he gives a low-level challenge, it's an imperative uh, in the text, but he says, come and see. It was a low-level challenge. And, and that's the first chair. That's a challenge you give to people that are investigating, seeking, asking questions. It's interesting, Jesus also said to them, what do you want? Uh, it's just like Jesus to ask that of seekers, of pre-Christians, of non-believers. What are you searching for in life? Come and see. That's a non-Christian. 
ultimately our goal at the end of chair one is to get them to the foot of the cross where they understand and hear the gospel and are, have to make a decision in response to the gospel where they repent and believe. Then they go to chair two. And this chair is found in, in John one forty three. Later on, Jesus goes to Philip and then Nathaniel and also to this Samaritan woman. And, and basically the challenge is given to follow me, follow me. Uh, he does this other places in the scriptures. He doesn't even at the end of, of the Gospel of John, but it's a different word. It's the word akalapala. It means line up behind, learn of me. It's a discipling term. It's what you say to new believers. Do you want to become a disciple? You need to follow. Walk in my steps. Learn of me. And and that was chair two. That's for new believers. And, and new believers need basic things. They're baby Christians, they're infants, the Bible tells us. They need to learn how to walk. They need to learn how to talk. They learn need to learn how to feed themselves and, and clean themselves, live a cleansed life, to get potty trained, if you would, and, and their identity, who they are. That's a new believer. And then chair three is the worker. This is later in this 18 months into it. Jesus goes to five individuals, not the 12 yet. James, John, Simon, and Andrew, and Mark 1 and Matthew 4, and he said, follow me, I'll teach you to reproduce. I'll make you a fisherman. That's chair three. It's for a few. From this point on, you find Jesus 16 times with the masses, or excuse me, 17 times with the masses, but 46 times with these few guys. Uh, he pours himself into these few and teaches them to reproduce in others. Chair three, that's the biblical worker. And then lastly, chair four, the, the, the disciple maker, the, the person who brings their others to Christ, their key is in bringing others to Christ, and now they become a spiritual parent, a disciple maker. They reproduce other disciples. And so, so those are the four chairs, seeker, believer, worker, disciple maker. Come and see, follow me. Follow me and fish for man. And the last one, Jesus said, go now and bear fruit that will remain. First John 2 picks up on this and talks about the lost person. But then it says children or, or, and then young men and fathers. So it's a natural growth development. People are in different chairs. That's okay. You just don't want to stay in chair two all your life. Now, when you talk about worker, let's let's talk about that that third chair for yes. just a minute. When when most people hear worker, what they what they hear is a worker in the kids program or a you know a volunteer <laughs> in the church. Uh, so that's not necessarily what you mean by that. No, I think they're a servant if they're serving in the church. We're called to serve and minister to others. But a biblical worker, go back to the text in Jesus, Matthew 10 and other places, a biblical worker, where's the worker? He's out in the harvest field bringing in the harvest. He said the harvest is plentiful. The workers are the few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. You see, we have become so ingrown in America, we have defined a worker who's busy in the church doing church things for church people. Now, I'm not opposed to that. That's good. That's some. That's part of being a biblical worker. But the greater part of being a biblical worker is being out in the harvest field, being a friend of sinners, bringing God into the friendships, and leading people to Christ, mm-hmm. and being key in their coming to Christ. That's a biblical worker. Jesus said, pray the harvest is plentiful, 
the workers are few. And so a biblical worker is that person that's learning to reproduce their life and others, making disciples who can make disciples. At Southeast, where I'm doing training consulting with the staff part-time, and it's a large church, a mega church, so they have about 400 staff. And, and we, we, we have this saying that you haven't made a disciple until they make a disciple. Because our goal is not just discipleship. Our goal is disciple-making. A fully trained disciple is reproducing. Jesus said, follow me. I will teach you to reproduce. I'll make you fishers of men. So that's, that's our definition of a, a biblical worker, someone who reproduces their life and others. And then chair four, how does that distinguish between chair four? Well, in, in here's, let me, if I had the four chairs right in front of me, the end product of chair one is repentance and faith. A seeker who begins to investigate, comes to build friendships with Christians and then ultimately understand the gospel and repents and believes. The end product of chair two as a baby Christian is they begin to become other-oriented and want to serve others and reach out to others and reproduce. <laughs> Excuse me. The end product of, and they move toward adolescence, if you would, where they begin to be other-oriented. The end of chair three is reproduction. In other words, you, you literally begin, you, you reproduce, you see someone come to faith. And now in chair four, you're a parent because you have a child and then you have more children and your children have children and you become a grandparent. Uh, we're just having our seventh and eighth grandbabies in the next couple months. And it's a whole new level of living when you have grandchildren and great grandchildren. And and that's chair four, where you have you're a parent, and that's first John two, children, young men, fathers, you have a family of disciples that you are nurturing along in faith. And you're creating your own movement in chair four. Mm-hmm. It could become a new church plant or it could be just explosion of the church you're in because you now bring a family of disciples to the church with you. How important is it that people be able to multiply themselves spiritually in others? You know, you don't see a lot of a lot of stuff in the church is more the believer consuming kind of spiritual goods and source resources other than than really multiplying their life. And yet that was seemed to be so much of what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to. So how important is it? And maybe the backside question is, why does it not seem so important today? Yeah, it, I think we have a great illustration of this, and you've probably heard this, and others have heard it many times over in uh, Israel, where I love to go and take people to. Over in Israel, you have two bodies of water. You have Sea of Galilee, which has input and output. It's alive, it's vibrant, lots of health, lots of vitality, lots of life. And then you have this Dead Sea, which only has input. It stinks, it spells, it's stagnant. Uh, it's the largest of the two bodies of water, but it's just, there's no life there. There's no vitality. And that's what happens to Christians if we just stay in chair two. All input, input, input with no output leads to stagnation. And And so to me... And, and unfortunately, 
unfortunately, in America, and this is not a critical statement, it's a statement of reality, we have defined the end product as a chair two person who comes to church all the time, who's learned lots of doctrine, who may serve in the church as an usher, you know, children's nurse. We define that as the ultimate goal. When it's not, uh, that is just a step toward the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to make a disciple who can make a disciple and to birth a movement of disciples through our lives. Fruit biblically, if you study this in John 15, Jesus talks about no fruit, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And by the way, there's four levels of fruit bearing. <laughs> chair one is no fruit, chair two is fruit, chair three is more fruit, chair four is much fruit. Fruit, biblically, is always a picture of three things. It's a picture of uh, character, the fruit of the Spirit, conduct, fruits of service and righteousness, but then converts. And, and many people would argue in John, John primarily uses fruit as a picture of converts. So when he's talking about much fruit, he's talking about reproducing your life through making disciples who make disciples make disciples. Craig, you know me. Most people don't. I'm doing a podcast. Everybody thinks I know what I'm doing. Uh, let me just tell you this. I'm a pig farmer from South Dakota. I'm a farm boy, the first in my family to come to faith. About all I, the only talent I have is I love Jesus, my whole heart, soul, mind, and, and I love to study the scriptures, and I can write training manuals. But years and years ago, 40 years ago, I learned to look at Jesus as my model. I built a youth group, which we called Sunlight, because we're trying to live the sun's life in that youth group. And now we're in 111 countries around the globe. 64 of those countries are, have movements of multiplication. We're growing at 10 to 15% rate. And, and I just say, I say all that because it's not me. I sit in a little office in the basement of my home trying to keep this thing healthy because it's a multiplying movement. Because doing what Jesus did, walking as Jesus walked, works. And the early disciples in my youth group, three, three kids in my first youth group are continent leaders for me now around the globe. You see, that's just God. And, and I could talk to you about each one of those guys, Mark, Dave, and John. Each of those guys, they are, they are not the sharpest tacks in the box either. <laughs> but, they're, but God's got a hold of their life. Mark, who just about flunked out of English in Chicago public school system, God got all of his life, and now he writes all kinds of manuals for us all over the world. Because the Spirit of God is working through the average, unlearned, and ignorant, the book of Acts says, disciples. This stuff works. If we walk as Jesus walked and do what Jesus did. And the four chairs, it's just a simple effort for me to exegete how Jesus made disciples make disciples. Because there's so much to learn in the life of Christ. I mean, he did amazing things for chair three disciples that he never did for chair two which are babies, which are growing, um, you know, and so understanding what Jesus did really helps me know what I need to do 
next steps with disciples I'm working at. Whenever I teach the four chairs, I always end up asking two questions. And if I don't ask it, everybody jumps to the conclusions. But I end up saying, okay, what chair are you in? And what do you need to do to get to the next chair? And then the next series of questions is, what chairs your disciples in? And what do you need to do to help them to get to the next chair? And it just it's a simple metaphor that helps people understand that people are at different stages of life in the walk with God, and that's okay. But our goal is to get to reproduction. Yeah. So, Dan, how do we get a hold of your book, Four Chair Discipling? It's such a great resource. How can people find it? Um, it's you could go to well, Amazon always has everything. You can go to sunlight.com, which we'd appreciate if you get it there. Our ministry uh, that I founded that I, I'm no longer part of it, but they carry it. And so if you buy it there, the resources go there. Um, they also have we have now over a hundred men pastors, youth pastors trained to teach. We have a four chair workshop with about a 100-page workshop manual that we can they can go into churches uh, and train whole congregations in the four chairs with an actual workbook that people come out with. It's a great resource. But the book can be purchased at Amazon or Sunlight.com. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on the program. And more than that, just your personal investment in my life for over 15 years I've uh, just enjoyed partnering with you, and thank you for investing in me and our team. So God bless you, my brother. God is good. God is very good. And if you would like to know more about disciple-making, go to disciplefirst.com. It's a one-stop shop for all types of resources on disciple-making. That's disciplefirst.com. You can also sign up for podcasts just like this one and learn from seasoned veterans about how to make disciples and make disciples. And if you'd like to meet them in person, you can also attend a Flashpoint conference. We have them all across the country. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Go to theflashpointconference.com to find out more information and register. And until then, go make disciples.